0: Hello, welcome to Gunfighter Cast, episode number one hundred and ten. I've got my buddy Matt Stagliano here with me from Firelance Media, and we're going to talk about something that we almost talked about a year ago, but now we're finally getting to it. How you doing, Matt? I'm um, great. Thanks for having me. Man, this is going to be awesome. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, we had some. I had a little event happen where a, a listener. Well, I don't know if he's a listener or not, but uh, it's a person who knows me through the grapevine. Send me a message that really spurred this episode to make it happen. Um, and you, you know, stopped your day and, and jumped on to do it with me. Um, apparently there are people out there that do not understand rain safety or safety as it relates to training and videos. They don't know what's acceptable and what's okay. And that's what we're going to talk about after you hear from the people who make this show possible. This episode of Gunfighter Cast is brought to you by Bravo Concealment Holsters. Use our coupon code GUNFIGHTER at checkout when you visit bravoconcealment.com and get 10% off your entire purchase. What happened, Matt, was uh, I got a message from someone saying, hey, my wife was on in a training class. And... There was a guy not shooting very well, so the instructor stopped everything, went down range and stood next to the target with the shooter seven yards away, because he was having trouble apparently at seven yards, and stood shoulder to shoulder with the target and told him to shoot the center of it. Basically, instead of saying, hey, let's analyze and diagnose your fundamental error and offer solutions to correct that problem and make you shoot better, let me go with this really drastic, dangerous thing and move down range and stand next to the target and make you shoot better without somehow Relaying any knowledge or information or skill set or anything at all. This is kind of what you and I were talking about a while back with uh, what's happening in videos and and training. And I want to talk about the video, but first. Matt, what do you what are you you've taken a lot of classes and filmed a lot of classes you're like one of the, the top video guys in the industry <laughs> If you guys don't know Matt uh, Matt is awesome I'll, I'll give him a chance to tell you all about himself and where you can find his awesome work uh, a little bit later on because after you hear him talk you'll realize that you need to what is unsafe in, in a class what you I, well, I mean, back it up what should I expect? In a training class in terms of professionalism and safety. First off, for those that don't know
1: anything about me, I am not an instructor. I don't, I don't do this professionally. I make videos. I'm a photographer. I spend a lot of time on the range. I get the opportunity to go to a lot of classes. So staying well within my lane of what is acceptable. Um, I speak only from the experience of spending a lot of time on the range. So. When you ask me the question, what is unsafe? You know, we talked about this. I think it shot last year. Um, there's, everything can be seen through different eyes in terms of what is unsafe. And a lot of what happens in this industry and the conversations that we get in lack context, right? You have the dogmatic approach of four firearm safety rules and anything beyond that is unsafe. Then you have the guys that have, well, there's a little bit more context. We can move around the range in safe ways so that you're still adhering to the primary safety rules, but there is a little bit of wiggle room there. And then you have, the people that seem to throw all common sense and intellect out the window and just do things like you said, let's go stand next to a target while someone is shooting. And, you know, there's a myriad of gray in between. So when you ask the question, what is unsafe? I always look at it from uh, my perspective, which is if there's live ammunition and I don't need to be down range, I am not going downrange. That's it. That's all it comes down to. There's no – from where I stand from as a photographer and a videographer, the things that I can control are basically between my head and my feet. And what I don't want to do is put myself in a position where I could potentially get shot, cause uh, an unsafe situation for other people on the line, cause harm for the instructor. I mean just – you can go about this in a million different ways and still be safe. To go down range and put yourself in a position where you have students that could, you know, fire off around or that could get spooked and, you know, ND into the ground, whatever the case is. If you put yourself in that unsafe situation, there's not a whole lot of people to blame, but yourself. You can control a lot to create a very, very safe range. And anything beyond that to me is just incomprehensible. I just don't understand why people do it. There's nothing that important to violate all of the the firearm safety rules and put yourself in a position of danger. I just I don't understand it.
0: So you said nothing that important. So you know, there's risk in driving to the range. There, there's mm-hmm. risk in going up to the range and shooting at steel targets or paper targets. There's we're, we're we're accepting a certain level of risk. We're trading that basically for for some gain to help mitigate risk down the road. Uh, that potentially may happen. It's kind of what we're doing in training. Where I grew up in, in the Marine Corps, man, you couldn't like march guys to the chow hall without a 10-page PowerPoint on operational risk management. <laughs> you know, what are the likely things that could occur? Someone could twist their ankle. Okay, what is our steps to keep that from happening? Okay, we're going to wear boots and we're going to inspect to make sure everybody has their boots laced up right. Okay, what next thing could happen? Uh, there could be vehicles. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to post road guards. The road guards could be hit. What are you going to do there? We're going to make sure they have flashlight and low light, and we're going to make sure they have road guard vest. You know, we're we're gonna we have all this operational risk management where we're mitigating risk along the way, and we are we need to eat, right? So we're trading that some of that risk, uh, we're accepting some of that risk to get to the chow hall to eat food. Uh, kind of the same thing on the range. What really concerned me was I being somebody who lives this every day of my life and teaches every day of my life practically and and reads something and learns and takes classes you know constantly I completely failed to realize that there's people out there that that don't understand that this is normal because the question I got was legitimate hey is this accepted because it's kind of a military guy training and is this normal is it is it okay because they really genuinely did not know if this was all right, or if this was accepted in the industry or, you know, professional. They they didn't know. And that's why I wanted to do this show, because there are people that don't understand what is safe and what's not, what's accepted and what isn't. And that's scary to me. Yeah, we take a lot of this for granted, right? So you and I are out
1: there a lot. We we know a lot of instructors. You're on the range all the time. I'm on the range all the time. And I think what we take for granted is that a lot of this um subconscious safety protocol is already ingrained in us. So it's very easy for us to spot now go back. However many years to whenever you started shooting and whenever I started shooting, it was new to us then. Right. So there was this, this fear I know that I had of screwing up of, you know, putting my finger where it shouldn't be. And it it was a, a very, a very visceral feeling for me to think that I could have an accident and have I indeed? Absolutely. Has it been, you know, in a, in a situation where I wish it never happened? Absolutely. Did anyone get hurt? No, but I, I know that when I carry a gun now for anything, that ND sits in the back of my head constantly, almost to the point where I'm overly cautious. So when I see, you know, people on the range that are first time shooters that are with me, uh, maybe they want a couple of pointers. Like I said, I'm not an instructor, but I'll go out and I'll try to to ease people into shooting. My parents, I did it with my parents. And I had to yell at my dad because he kept turning around. He was having a blast. He was having a great time. But he kept turning around off the line with his finger on the trigger. And I finally had to lay down the law, which is something that I've never done. I've yelled at my dad, I yelled at him. And basically said, I will take this out of your hands. You will never shoot again if you turn around on the line one more time and keep your finger on the trigger. And I wanted to instill that fear in him because he's had, you know, so much uh, input from TV and Hollywood. My dad's not a gun guy. So he didn't know the rules. I went over everything with him, but he didn't have it ingrained in him that he could cause a problem. So... You know, for new shooters, especially there has to be a way to get across how responsibility is their, their mission. They have to be responsible on the line at all times. They have to be responsible with the firearm. So to see an instructor doing something that breaks that mindset by putting themselves in an unsafe situation, now you have students on the line that are thinking, well, Maybe these firearm safety rules aren't all that important if if I have an instructor that is looking to break them right away. So I think we owe it to the community as stewards of the community to do whatever we can to promote a safe environment. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is low ready to high, you know, low ready to ready. And then you shoot and everybody holsters at exactly the same time. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we owe it to everybody to make sure that they understand the, the responsibility they have when they're carrying a gun, especially for new shooters. Get them interested in the sport, get them shooting, get them shooting safely and don't do anything that would cause bad habits in them. Because they're only on the line for, what, six, eight hours? Then they go home and they practice. They go to the range. And if we haven't ingrained that sense of safety in them, then we are, you know, one step removed from the responsibility if something bad happens, right? So when I look at all of this, I say, and I've seen some bad things happen on the range. I've seen uh, instructors go down range. I've seen photographers go down range. I've seen videographers in unsafe positions. And I just keep coming back to like, it's on them. But when I'm in a situation like that, I try to control everything that I can to keep everybody as safe as possible. That's what it comes down to.
0: If, if I was in a class and I'd, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a new shooter or, you know, I've been in the game for a while and I see an instructor do something, set the example, basically is what he did, of it's okay to go down range and do something dangerous. I have seen training classes where people had people on other ranges adjacent to them where they were shooting way behind, whether that person was – if one of those people were messing with their gun improperly or – easily there's a potential for flagging or shooting around in the other direction. And and people still stay out there and they train. What, what actions can somebody take? Because I'm thinking, all right, hey, I want to tell everybody, look – yeah, it was nice hanging out with you. I don't even need my money back, but uh, I'm just going to go and take my stuff and, and I'm going to leave because that's unsafe and what you're doing and I'm not going to be a part of it. Uh, and you guys should think about, you know, not sticking around as well. And I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to leave because I'm not going to have any part of it. What, what action do you recommend? Have you seen something people, anybody ever stand up in a class and say, hey, this isn't right?
1: I've, I've seen some guys actually self-select out of drills uh, a lot, as a matter of fact. So to, to answer your direct question, I think, you know, people are far too polite these days and they're, they're, they have the, the fear of hurting someone's feelings or being thought of as that guy. So if they speak up, they're going to be embarrassed, right? If they say, Hey, this isn't safe. You're going to be like, Oh, you're a pansy. Get off the line. Right. We're, we're gunfighting here. But if you feel strongly that. Something's unsafe. I have zero problems and nothing but respect for you. If you step off that line and say, you know what? I'm going home because this is not what I signed up for. Keep the money. This isn't, this isn't for me. Right. But I've seen guys, um, I was in a, uh, Kerry Davis dark angel medical class. Um, that we were at SIG Academy and we were in part of his bullets and bandages class and we were doing some pretty advanced drills where it was a support side only carbine uh, marksmanship while you have a tourniquet on your strong side. And there was a guy in class who had very little to almost no carbine experience. And we didn't find that out until the class started. And it got to the point where he was able to do things with his strong side because he was stronger with it, but he couldn't do anything with his support side. So we were running these drills dry and before we went live, he was um, aware enough, self-aware enough to say, I can't do this safely with my support hand. He's like, I'm going to sit this next string of drills out. That to me is exactly the student that you should have on the line because there is nothing wrong with tapping out of a drill if you don't think you can do it safely. And what you do is you work with the instructor to figure out how you can do it safely, if if that's your choice. But I have no problems whatsoever watching someone take themselves out of a drill if they feel they're going to put their own safety and the safety of other people on the line at risk. So yeah, I've seen that a, a handful of times. I've seen it in pistol uh, classes where men and women will get, um, they get overwhelmed. You know, they, they start to outdrive their headlights and they're like, you know what, I'm just going to take a couple of minutes, take a breather put this down especially in like brand new pistol classes um watching you know guys have their minds melt and then you can see it's just vapor and they don't know what they're doing you ask them a question okay well what's next in this in this string of fire or what's the next procedure and it could be just as simple as put it in the holster but they they don't know and they're overthinking it And you can tell that they're just their processor has been blown out so I've seen people take themselves off the line like that. And that's where, um, you know, I just nod my head. I'm like, smart move. That's about as smart as you can possibly be. So, um, yeah, you know, I've seen it happen a bunch of times. Um, and I'm always, you know, pretty happy because one, it shows that they're still processing enough to know what is right and what is wrong. And two, they take it seriously enough that it's not just on a line making brass and making noise. It's, true training and true learning. Um, so yeah, I've seen that, seen that quite a few times.
0: Yeah, that's great. You know, and I I see people often, I wouldn't say often, I'd say, you know, once every few classes, there's one or two people who who pull themselves out of the drill and like, Hey, you know, I'm just going to watch this one just because I don't feel comfortable. And if I feel like that that person can easily do it, you know, I'll encourage them. Like, you know, I've witnessed you do this and that you've done all this right here. All we're going to do now is put three of those things together. And you don't need to go as fast as these other guys that are doing. I don't care how slow you go, but if you feel comfortable, let's, let's do it. If not, that's fine. You know, no big deal. Just watch. So it depends on the person. Some of them are like, hey, that's a good move. You know, that's uh, that that's uh, I think that's a good good call, and congratulate on that. And I I don't let them be looked down upon either for doing that. Like, Hey, that's, they're making a judgment call based on their own abilities. Uh, and that's what it's all about. That's awesome. And I won't let any of And, and you know, gun people, no student ever makes fun of that other person. They don't, I mean, unless they're all buddies. Right. But otherwise, if it's that new person, they're just going to offer encouragement and, uh, it's not going to be, uh, anything mean or derogatory at all. You said earlier that you don't understand it, you know, why an instructor would do And we just gave one example, but there are countless examples of of things being unsafe out there on on the range. But this is kind of drastic. Like, why would I, because I have my own opinion, and I'll give it here in a second. Why would an instructor move down range and stand next to a target and tell somebody who's not shooting well to now shoot the target? Why would they do that?
1: You know, obviously I wasn't I wasn't there. I can't pass an opinion other than through the hearsay that you're giving me. Right. So and I, I know that's kind of a cop out caveat, but let me try to put myself in the mindset of the instructor and then the mindset of the student. Right. So it could be that the instructor was saying and I'm not saying right or wrong, but the instructor was saying, listen, I know you can shoot. I've seen you shoot. I need to give you a little bit of tough love and I'm going to go down range and make you perform on demand. And maybe in the student's mind, they're thinking, all right, I can shoot. Now I really have to focus in and get this done. That being said, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, all right, so that's that's the argument of, oh, well, he can go down range and, you know, uh, people shoot around people all the time. No, there in my mind is no reason to put yourself next to a target. Now we're talking within probably... Right. Your average targets, what, about two feet wide thereabouts. So you're banking on the fact that given that radius, that they are going to be in that 12 inches of, you know, from the center line to whatever side of the target this this instructor is standing on. You're banking on the fact that they're going to be within that 12 inch margin of error and that you don't get shot.
0: Well, hopefully, and- it's a right-handed student, and the instructor is standing on the shooter's right-hand side of the target, right? right.
1: So, hey, but you know, things can go up and to the right. Oh, yeah. So the the when you when you mentioned that to me, I said, "Well, why would an instructor go down there now if the the student had cleared out their gun? There's still no reason to go down and stand next to a target and have them point an empty gun." at it, right? I I just, I've never seen top tier instructors, Steve Fisher, Matt Jaquies, Will Petty, right? Go down the list of all of the top instructors nationally. No one would ever put themselves in that position because they know what can happen. There is no need for an instructor to do that with any level of student on the line. The, The liability is way too high. So to put myself, when I say, you know, I don't understand why they would do that i'm I'm trying to wrap my head around it and trying to contextualize it in a way that you know the instructor would justify being downrange, and I can't do it. I don't understand why they would put themselves in that
0: situation I think it's a I think it's a cockiness, it's arrogance. you know those those names of the instructors you listed off don't do it is because I believe that they have other school skill sets and other tools to solve that problem that doesn't require extreme risk. I don't believe that the action that an instructor took is any step in the process to solve a problem. Uh, just because I stand, a guy who's jerking the trigger, just because I stand next to the target doesn't explain to him how to not jerk the trigger, right? It's like, it's, it's not diagnosing and correcting an issue. It's just adding some shock effect because I don't have the tools in, in my repertoire to actually effectively translate how to press a trigger properly and shoot accurately to that student so I go to this shock effect BS that's dangerous on the line because I have no business being a firearms instructor.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you. You know, there's this teach a curriculum that is either dogmatic or, or uh, stolen from somebody else and they're just reiterating what they heard, right? And they try to put their own spin on it. We see videos like this on YouTube all the time, right? Hondo rolls and people doing all sorts of behind the back Tricks and, you know, they're usually dressed in black and have balaclavas and there's some, you know, Israeli system tied to it or whatever. Um, but you see these things happen all the time and, and we make fun of it, but we don't necessarily do anything other than make fun of it, right? The instructors never get called out. People that don't know any better don't know any better. And it may be the only local training that they have and they wind up going to these instructors. And so I look at all of this and I say, well, We can talk about this and we can talk about what a bad instructor it is, but how do we get the word out that this instructor is bad? Do you call them out? Do you blast it across social media? Well, I certainly don't have the marketing budget to go state by state, county by county, find all the bad instructors according to whatever arbitrary level of experience that I know and call out all these instructors, right? Do you leave them Yelp reviews? do you you know what I mean so is it all word of mouth because we push high level training because you're going to get the best bang for your buck all the time right we push that constantly but how do you get that down to the people in my town that are 400 people in my town and everybody owns a gun no one barely has any training so how do you push them to a two-day Mike Pannon pistol class for you know six hundred dollars when they're living below the poverty line they right. just want to go out and shoot right so so there's a lot of factors that come into this to get back to your original statement you know um how do you tell if this instructor's good or bad or whatnot do your research you gotta vet these guys out before you give them your money and sign
0: up you know you re- really you really do what you just mentioned there was was the reason i wanted to do this episode was because it, it really struck me that People don't know what's unsafe. And I, I thought everybody kind of had an idea of like, wow, that's not, that's not safe. But really <laughs> they don't. They don't they – don't. oh, is this okay? Is this kind of what we're doing now in the military? Because the guy asked me the question, did you ever do anything like this in the Marine Corps? And I was like, oh, heck no. You would never you, – you, you would be fired about 20 different levels if you did that. And, you know, It's never going to happen. No, I don't care what team you're on. It doesn't matter what level it is. It's, it's, it's not – No, prof- I, I told him no professional firearms trainer would do that and it's not acceptable. What I think it is, is and if we're gonna go into the video side now, is right. the same thing we're seeing in videos, is there is a, a race to see who can be the most dramatic, the most unsafe. <laughs> we're doing realistic, fired up, <laughs> awesome training. We're putting people downrange. You're gonna be tested, you know, and it's gonna be the most crazy thing ever. Yeah. And and people are putting like the, the craziest drills, even though and it's I, I don't make fun of things on the internet that I see because I, I do videos and I realized that you only get a snapshot, right? So, and I, and I realized, okay, while, I, while all my buddies are sending me links trying to get me to make fun of something, I'm like right. sending a message to the guy who did it. I'm like, Hey, could you explain me the context of this? You know, cause been many times where I've seen things and then when I actually understood the whole picture of what they're doing because I, I, I let people take pictures and video but I ask people not to put them on the internet because I don't want to have to explain what I'm doing on the internet not because what I'm doing is dangerous or bad it's because they're only going to see a snapshot and they're not going to see the 20 things that came before that and the 20 things after that so it's not fair to me and it's not a fair to the audience and the customer uh, or the student. I don't go after anybody unless I get the whole context of what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, and even still, I, I mind my business. So uh, I, I can't keep up with what I'm doing you know, for lunch today, much less what somebody else is doing out there in the industry. I don't know how people spend all day long on the Internet doing that. It uh, blows my mind. I see the same thing in the video side as we do in the training industry. It's how do I get people in classes? Let me put out something that is shocking, that that gets shared, that goes viral. Let me pack a lawnmower full of Tannerite and get some videos on here. You know, I deal with a lot of gun companies, my Funker Tactical affiliation, where we're doing gun reviews and and do a lot of shoots for, for companies. And a lot of them are saying the same thing right now, and I'm very happy about it. They want to work with us and some of the other trusted names out there in the industry because they used to, they would just send product out to anybody, any blogger, any YouTuber, anything else. But they're seeing so much unsafe things happening, rounds leaving ranges and going into apartment complexes uh, with very high caliber rounds. They're seeing, you know, the lawnmower blowing up, taking the guy's like They're seeing people doing stupid stuff with their products. So they're starting, they realize they need to safeguard their brands. And I think that's a self-regulating thing that's, that's great. but. Partly what I'm doing here is to help basically give some information to the, the listener so they can make better decisions in classes and the videos they watch and all those things. But we, we need to not accept these things. So you being the big video guy that you are, <laughs> what and you did an article on this, what do you see in, in the video side out there in the firearms industry?
1: So I think we've reached a point with video technology where it's easy for the amateurs to make professional-looking videos, but with the same way that responsibility comes with gun ownership, responsibility comes with making videos as well. So when I first started, I do primarily still photography. And when I'm on the range, you know, I've, I've been able to cultivate over the past many years working with instructors so that they know that whatever photos that I'm putting out are contextually safe for them. I'm not in the business of getting anybody jammed up. I'm not in the business of just putting out photos for the sake of putting out photos. I pour over every single photo that I take and I'll take six or 7,000 in a weekend and I'll pour over every single one as I'm editing them to say, all right, if I am looking at this from the outside, what's unsafe here, right? Is a finger on the trigger? Is he not wearing eye protection or ear protection, right? And you have to be able to look at the the situation in the picture whether it's video or stills and say from the standpoint of someone outside if they're just looking at this what's wrong with the picture right so I've been able to gain a lot of trust because I'm not going to put out pictures that jam people up but like I was saying about the technology right you look at drones you look at remote cameras everything's got an app now that can remote control um, different types of camera systems well people don't take into account a drone as a flying lawnmower, right? So now that the FAA is cracking down on drone pilots, I'm still going to events where I see people, you know, real media companies, and I throw the air quotes up, flying drones over crowds of people and around a course of fire. If something were to go wrong, a gust of wind, and that drone with force four or six or eight spinning props finally decides to crash into somebody's head, then there's a, I hope everybody's got their med kit, right? Cause those things are pretty gnarly, but we're, we're getting to the point where we're being blinded by the technology and the capabilities of the technology and losing sight of the responsibility that you have when you're, when you're making a video or, or getting a photo shot. So, when I look at what's happening in video, I say people are going after the marketing angle. They're trying to get the most kick ass, kick down the door, run it, gun it, you know, alpha Spartan male, 3 percenter video they can possibly make <laughs> and forgetting about the fact that there are two things here. One, you're supposed to be promoting a product, right? And two is what you're doing safe, right? So you have... Two types of shots. You have the controlled environment shot, right, where it's a real marketing video and you're putting people in dangerous situations and cameras and there's consultants on set and everything is double and triple checked for safety and you can do some of these things. That's a different type of shoot than 99% of the videos that you see on the internet where you just have a hobbyist or an amateur or a low-grade professional That throws all that stuff out the window and they say, hey, we're going to go down range, just don't shoot me. Or I'm going to be off here to the side, you shoot your rifle that way. Well, all of that is just inviting disaster. It really is. So if you can't remote control a camera and get the shot that you need and you have to put someone in danger, you're doing it wrong and you have no business doing this. If it's a controlled environment where it's a completely safe environment, you have technical consultants... I still get a little bit weirded out when I see someone pointing a gun at me. And I've I've been on these shoots where you've got a camera and I've checked the gun. The consultants have checked the gun. The instructors have checked the gun. The, the person running the gun has checked the gun. It's empty. There's no ammo anywhere. And I still get that little bit of a butt pucker, you know, when I see someone come around the corner with a gun.
0: And, you know, there, there I am staring down a muzzle. We've went so far as to take bolts out. And it still, it still doesn't feel right. You know, and it doesn't feel um, right. And and we've got, we've got, I've gotten those shots too. I I, I did shots with Cabela's where we did. I've done it with Funker where we do it. And we all check it. I check it. Uh, With Funker, we actually videotape us checking it. uh, Just in case someone is uh, like, oh man, that's dangerous. And so we, we completely, we have everything in there, zoomed in, you know, we, the gun is completely clear uh, and we do it, but still, it it doesn't feel right. And to to put somebody down range while shooting, the technology is there to, we don't need to do that. You know, there's, it's not necessary. Uh, We can frame frame the shot, turn the camera on and then go do it, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm sorry. You had mentioned the, uh, the manufacturers being a little bit more hip to it now. And that's an awesome thing, right? Because I work with a lot of manufacturers too, and uh, more so on the instructor side as well, right? And the manufacturers that are getting brand ambassadors now, and that's the big hot term of the day, right? Brand, mm-hmm. now, everybody's a brand ambassador. Dalai Lama is a brand ambassador of something. And so everybody's a brand ambassador. Well, you've got marketing people that may or may not be shooters. They might work in the firearms industry, yep. but they may or may not be shooters, right? So they're giving out product thinking nothing but return on investment and saying, well, So-and-so has a million likes on their Instagram page. Forget about the fact that a lot of them might be purchased. doesn't matter because even if 80% of them are purchased, we're still getting 20% of a million followers that we could potentially reach. So there is a return on investment for us there. So they're seeding them with product. And the people that are on the receiving end don't necessarily have The creds, the capability, the approach to properly promote that brand, right? If it's sunglasses, hey, everybody wears sunglasses. If it's a gun, not necessarily everybody has the capability to properly review, properly run a gun, right? They don't know anything about science to do reviews, but it's a personality and a piece of equipment. What folks on the the general population need to think about, it's marketing. They're trying to sell you something, you know, and even when I do marketing videos for companies, I do it in such a way. It's like, Hey, we're trying to sell this product. I try not to be disingenuous, but there are other companies out there that are trying to sell you something. That's the name of the game. It's all
0: advertising. So that's a different podcast altogether. Because because one thing, one thing that really, that really pisses me off, man, a lot. And, uh, it's the ethics in the firearms industry. Yeah. There is a gross lack of ethics in this industry, and I don't think the general public knows it. I didn't know it until I got out here in the civilian world and got all up in the firearms industry. Right, but it, the YouTube—I don't trust a single YouTuber out there. Okay, <laughs> uh, I see, and there's people that, that those are your your fanboys, and then they love you so much, and and I, and they're so awesome. You know, no matter what they say, it's always great. And don't ever say they did anything wrong. And I know some of these are. Are purposely making one gun look bad over another gun they're getting paid money by company X even though they know company x's product is inferior and and but but this to me the students mean the most to me uh, these are the people who are trusting their lives to these yep. products there's no amount of money that's going to let me make me violate my trust it's not going to happen but there's a lot of people who have been bought and sold. Out there, and uh, so I, I take everything with a grain of salt. You'll see, I, I do a lot of overview videos, or I'll interview mm-hmm. somebody who has a product. Uh, I have no problem giving an overview of a product. If you're going to get my endorsement and say, "Hey, this thing is awesome," it is because I've used it and it works. Even then, I, I never—I I don't remember the last time I did anything that didn't—I didn't find something wrong with something. Even the things that I like and I use, never encounter anything that doesn't need a Dremel, some duct tape, a knife, or something to get modified. <laughs> so it's just the way it always is, and. That's my personal ethics is, is most important to me, and uh, I think there's a lot out there that, that don't have that. The creators out there don't understand what you're just talking about about the safety and and the uh, the, the ethics involved with the video production. You know, we, we saw the Travis Haley thing with the uh, negligent discharge. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I put a lot of trust in people who are running cameras around me, right. a lot of trust. I could be ruined completely because of something when, especially when you're filming different shots to shots and you just changed your, your hat for another video and you just did this thing. And, and now you, you've got a gun that you're running a SIG and you were just using a Glock all day and you're getting a shot and, and you, you're doing things out of context and out of sequence and you have to do a shot again and you're not decocked that one time when you were the time before. It's, it's very, very difficult and it's very easy to look like a moron when you're shooting video and do something stupid uh, in the middle of all these different takes. So uh, when somebody's running camera around me, I, I'm putting a lot of trust in them because I understand. You know, And I, I don't think a lot of people out there understand. I didn't understand it until a couple of years ago that I started to see it. So it is a very, very difficult landscape to navigate. And I think it all comes down to, to ethics, man. I think we're lacking in a lot of them.
1: I, I agree. You know, there's to jump back to the Instagram, the brand ambassadors and all of that. There's that element of safety, right? So we're all monkeys. We all emulate another person here or there. If we see people that are on the range and they're doing all this high speed stuff and they are just running and gunning, and they've got a million followers, well, it doesn't mean that what they're doing is safe. It doesn't mean that what they're doing is vetted. It doesn't mean that it's good tactics. I'm not saying it's going to get you killed in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> What what I'm saying is you need to be able to look at it with a critical eye and say, all right, is this being done for marketing purposes or is this being done in a training standpoint? Do I need to emulate what he's doing, right? Just because I see some guy doing slacklining over a canyon doesn't mean that I'm going to go out there and do the same thing right? Just because I see someone coming out of the holster and shooting really, really fast on multiple targets doesn't mean that's the next drill that I'm going to do on the range for myself. So when new shooters are getting into the sport a lot of time the only resource they have is youtube or instagram or whatever name your social media platform and they go out there and they find what they find the people with the most followers they find the biggest you know biggest audiences and they try to join that community and that's where a lot of the um the bad information really comes from and when i'm on the line you know you hear you hear certain students talking about, well, I was watching so-and-so's video. Or I was watching this instructor's mm-hmm. video. And you're like, and you almost hear the instructor go, because now they know they have to roll back just some of the thinking. You know, it's not to convince someone uh, that, you know, Travis Haley or Chris Costa or Steve Fisher or whoever is a good or bad instructor. But the thing that's missing in a lot of students' minds is critical thinking critical analysis of what's going on. Am I doing this safely? Is this the right thing for me? Are my capabilities up to standards? Do I have standards? Do I know what a standard is, right? So you really don't know from student to student what you're getting. And so when we as video makers and content producers put information out there, I personally believe that there is a level of responsibility that we have, that no matter what we show, it's got to have that element of safety. It's got to have good gun handling responsibly, uh, uh, responsibility in there as well. All of those minute details make us as a community better. The more and more poor videos that are put out there, guys blowing their legs off with Tannerite or whatever, the more that we put out there like that, the more ammunition the anti-2A crowd has against us. Hey, look at these idiots that are out there shooting this way. They're being unsafe no matter what happens. This is just Tannerite. You can go to your local store and get this. You can get guns delivered to your home off the internet, right? So all of this bad information gets out there and it's perpetuated over and over and over. So as content producers,
0: I think we have the responsibility to do our best to negate some of that. So the Second Amendment... Of the United States is is a much bigger thing than me, right? Like I'm never going to get that big. It's not going to happen. None of us are, right? So when I first met Paulo Rubio, he's known on the internet as GN, you know, the mm-hmm. creator of uh, and President of Funker Tactical, amazing guy, Love the guy to death. when That's we good. first uh, when we first had a conversation, when he first met me, and he wanted me asked me to be a part of the Funker team, uh, he said, uh, "So what do you need to get out of this and, and this kind of thing?" And I said, "You know, my top priority is." I have to look at every video before they're released because I have to protect the 2nd Amendment. If it's not uplifting and it's not furthering and it's not defending the 2nd Amendment of the United States, then I'm not putting it out. I don't want it out there. If there's even something that brings up anything questionable, I don't I don't want it to happen because I don't want to ever set us back in any way by something I say uh, or do or uh or you know anything at all. So that's that's a huge priority, right? I would like for them to be a, I guess this gets into what can we do about it, you know, the training side. And I've talked to a, a few guys, you know, me and Steve and, and Will and, and a few other folks have talked about putting together a system program where basically, I don't know how any of us are going to do it because we're all so busy, uh, where we are basically becoming a organization that vets instructors, mm-hmm. that that has a rating system. And whether we're qualified to do that, I don't know. But that somebody needs to do it, right? At least some way to let the, the, the people know, a place where they can go. I mean, they have this for everything, for all, every industry out there. You know, there's there's consumer reports, you know, all those mm-hmm. different things. Mm-hmm. Why not have that in the firearms industry? Because we're it's we're so, uh, so ego-driven and everything else, which is why it probably hasn't been done. Uh, because ego stops us from everything. And the same thing for videos. You know, maybe a, a firearms related or Second Amendment related video code of ethics uh, that are followed. I think that would have to come from a person like you, someone who, who knows that side so much better or you and Paulo together or some other people, yeah. but you know, a code of ethics and have people basically sign on to this thing, like, Hey, yeah, you know what? I am going to be a part of it and make it something that's so powerful. The organization where when Silentrico wants to send you a, a Maxim nine, they're like, Hey, are you a part of this organization? Have you, have you, right. have you been vetted and, and basically made this oath to follow the, this code of ethics? Oh no, then, then I, you're not getting our product, you know, something, right. something powerful. I don't know if that's feasible, man. I I mean. I, I'm dream I'm in dreamland right
1: now. Yeah no it's it's funny you know I've I've talked about similar things with a bunch of people over the past you know many years about you know is there a universal lab stamp of approval for the firearms industry right so yeah. it's you know a no BS stamp here right but you nailed it I mean the 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 ego is yet again another podcast right we could sit here for hours talking about you know this personality or that personality I think you know when it comes back to the core of this about what's safe what's unsafe what's good information what's bad information how do you filter through it how do you find um you know the the information to guide you to the right choices a lot of it like i said comes down to the critical analysis being able to look through everything and not take it at face value and say all right well i'm not just going to go into the google machine and type best firearms instructor in arkansas Right? You have to be able to do more research, talk to more people, find out, do the reading, do the uh, do the research before you ever go into a situation where you're like, I'm just going to throw my hands up and hope for the best. So uh, a quick story, a friend of mine out in Bozeman, Montana, uh, was an army vet, hasn't touched a firearm in 10 or 12 years. And he emails me. He says, hey, listen, I just moved to Montana from Maine. Um, I want to get back into shooting handguns with my son. Who do you know out here for training? And I don't know. I live in Maine, 2,500 miles away. I don't know any but local instructors, you know, in in Montana. But I was like, you know, hey, where you are, uh, Costa Lutas is pretty close. Um, you know, I'd send anybody there. Um, but I have no idea what his schedule looks like. So we went back and forth. Um, quite a bit. And, you know, through my network was able to guide him towards someone that was completely vetted from three or four top national instructors. And we found him training in the local area to just do basic handgun marksmanship again. And it was great to be able to provide that service to someone that I know is brand new, well, brand newish back to the world of firearms. And I want to get them vetted training. I don't have to send them all over the country with, you know, all sorts of ammo and all the high speed gear to get good training. You just ask your friends, work your network a little bit to find the good trainers, right? It doesn't, not everybody has to go to a super Dave class and shoot 2000 rounds in a couple of hours, right? People need to find good, reputable, safe instructors. And the best way to do that is to ask folks, ask for an opinion. Ask for good quality information. And if you get the willies from that, like someone's just trying to sell you, oh, you got to go to my buddy. He was X seal Delta Team 9, right? Eh, That doesn't hold a lot of water, right? Anybody can say that nowadays. So what you say is, well, how many students does he have? Does he have a course curriculum up? Does he have videos that I could take a look at? Are there reviews? You know, do your research before you just take someone on faith. And that goes across the board you know, someone comes to me for video work or photo work. I'm hoping that they're not just coming to me. Well, my pocketbook says, I hope they're just coming to me. But what I'm hoping is that they're looking at five or six other photographers and videographers to compare and contrast what best meets their needs. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm a brand new shooter and there is a military guy that is teaching does not mean that his methodology or his curriculum is going to suit where I am in my shooting journey.
0: Absolutely. And if they put in research, chances are, not only are they most likely to get a better instructor, but they're also more likely to be happier because they, uh, the customer in this case, or the student, the client, has found someone that's more in line with their needs and their wants, uh, just like any product that you're researching and looking into. So, you know, I, I look at all of this and I say, I
1: carry around this enormous grain of salt on my shoulder all the time. So when anybody says anything to me, I'm just kind of like, I take it all with this grain of salt, right? And that's just—I don't know—call me paranoid, call me, you know, pessimistic, whatnot. But I really—I've gotten to the point where it's a habit now that when everybody, anybody suggests anything, buy this car, buy this gun, use this holster, you know, use this ammo, I start to do the research. And say, well, there's good information, bad information out there. I weigh it all. I average it in and I do what's best for me. But I never take anything on blind faith because you can't. So, you know, it's there's there's that whole side of the advice. From a video standpoint, I think we as a community can be better. I just saw a, a video that came out literally right before we jumped on this podcast. Brand new gun that's being put out. And... In the video, there is a scope that was moving back and forth within the rings as the rifle is recoiling. And I look at this and I go, one, okay, someone didn't tighten their scope rings down. So somebody on the line is at fault. Two, that should never have made it into... The video. If it did, you know, hey, maybe the editor doesn't know shooting and maybe it makes it into the video. But then it's got to go through another quality control check through the top of the marketing department of a gun company doing a product launch. It should never get out there. And when things like that do, it just makes all of us look silly. So as content producers, as content creators, you really need a close eye, an introspective eye, be a shooter understand it. If you're not a shooter, find someone that is to watch your video to see if there is there anything in there that is a violation of safety protocol. Is it, you know, bad equipment? Is this guy, you know, swinging around and muzzling everybody else on the line? Whatever the case is, find those details because I guarantee no matter how good the rest of your video is, people are going to focus on the fact uh he didn't look when he was putting his oh there'll his, be
0: a, there'll be a gif there'll be memes there'll be everything will be shared is, of that right? one little thing and that's what folks focus
1: on and it becomes an issue so no matter how good the rest of the video is scope rings were out of alignment Someone's you can have the
0: best catalog the- ever but if you have the magazines filled backwards <laughs> <laughs> you know you're they'll remember that forever hk and- you know there are, there are there are channels now
1: right that call all this stuff out and um some of it I find funny some of it I find sad right because uh you find spelling errors on ads all the time hey this has gone through quality control after quality control and there is the word you know flexibility spelled wrong and you're like oh, spell check works everywhere do it you know so um you know I I I think all of that makes us look bad. And I don't know if it's because there's so much content that people don't care anymore or, you know, it'll be forgotten about in the next 10 minutes, or is it really just a a lack of quality control? And I think it's just a lack of quality control. There aren't the right types of eyes on some of this stuff in the rush to produce the best, greatest, most, you know, alpha thing that we can possibly produce. We're forgetting about looking at it from the angle of, is this good quality? Does it represent the company? Does it represent the community the best way we can? And if we're not doing that, then don't put it out.
0: You know, if you're if you're not doing those things properly, those who are creating videos out there, your content creators, you know, is it is it furthering? Is this helping the Second Amendment? Uh, or is it only helping yourself? Or is it? Are you painting? You know, whatever you're supposed to be doing in, in the correct light, or you represent the brand properly and and fairly? And also those firearms instructors out there. It is a huge responsibility to be a fire instructor. I tell my students this at every class uh, at the end of it, at the debrief, when I explain that I really appreciate them coming and training with me because I see that they took that day out of their life. They paid their hard-earned money to come hang out with me all day long or two days in a row. And it takes a tremendous amount of trust for somebody to do that. If I were to get it right, I could save a life. I could save the life their life, a life of a loved one. I, I could save lives of other people that we don't even know. If I were to get it wrong, they could end up in jail the rest of their life. They could be hurt or killed or they could hurt someone else. Or they could walk off of that range thinking they got it and replicate what I taught with their family. People that they're going to load and unload the guns around the most. The ones that are going to manipulate that gun around more. than They bought that gun to protect them. So I have a huge responsibility to, to set the example the right way. And every instructor does. And if what you're doing on the range is it keeping with that, and I'm not just saying just what my thought process on it, you know what's right and wrong. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the, the gentleman who went down range with that target, setting that example, knew that what he was doing was completely stupid, but he, his, his ego made him do it anyway. we got to put that in check as the student in classes, as instructors, and it's not acceptable. Man, I would love to, to, to talk more about this and, and, and learn more about what we can do because that's the answer, right? And if we could figure that out, what can we do to stop this? And maybe this podcast is part of it. Maybe you go on a show later on and you talk about this again. Uh, next thing you know, maybe we have a culture cultural shift in the industry, training and video side,
1: maybe. You know, I think my video rant that I did – Probably a little over a year ago at this point, I think is what started the the conversation between you and I about this yes. because you know you you immediately texted me and were like, dude, we got to talk about this exact subject. And you know from where I was coming from, I was seeing more and more photographers and videographers go to training classes and shoot for themselves rather than for the betterment of the instructor or the betterment of the material that was being taught or whatnot. And it became about getting the coolest shots and trying to outdo, you know, the other photographer and the next photographer. And it became um, less about the shooting and less about the instruction, less about documenting the class and more about look how cool this angle is or look how great this shot is. And the fact of the matter is, there is nothing that important. I, I said this before, and it's it's cost me jobs, but there is nothing that important to put myself down range. I said this at the beginning of the podcast to try to get that shot. One, it puts me in danger. Two, it makes the student nervous. And quite frankly, the student should be at a class to learn, not be part of some, you know, photojournalistic essay. So, right. you know, I look at this and I say if you are taking pictures at a class, if it's on your cell phone, if it's a big camera, if it's video, whatnot, if you're distracting from the process of learning in that class, get out of there. Get off the line. If instructors are more worried about getting promotional materials from their classes than they are about instructing students, you don't need to waste your time with that instructor. If you see that happening, if you're a student on the line and and a photographer is getting too close or he's getting all up in your grill, whatnot, tell them to back off. This is your time that you paid for to learn. And there is no reason why you should be shortchanged because someone wants to get, you know, a cool Instagram video. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. And this is where you really need to draw a hard line as a student and say, you know what? I'm not comfortable being in pictures. You know, throw a little sand in the photographer's, you know, plan by basically saying... I'm not comfortable being in those pictures. That's going to limit what he can shoot, right? And if it's that much of a distraction, if you want to be a cool guy, we get cool guy shots. That's what we do. But I found that there are some instructors that are more about pictures and marketing materials and video so that they can fill classes and show that they have butts and seats than they are about teaching the material. And you know, you don't find that at the, at the national level, the high, the the high levels, but I have talked to local instructors that are more about that and I'm like, that's not what I do. That's not, that's not why you hire me, you know? So when, when I see, you know, these Facebook albums come out with 80, 100, 200 pictures from a class and they all look the same and it's just, you know, a side shot of somebody pointing a gun was it, was it important to get that shot? Were you impeding the student's progress to learn? Right. What, what was the, the goal of that picture that you just took? Was the video worthwhile? Did it put you in a safe spot? Did it not? You always have to be thinking about these sorts of things before you go out on the range with a camera. And that includes you and your buddy going out to the range, right? If my putting a camera in front of my buddy is going to cause me harm, even though it might be, you know, super cool, it's not worth it. It's not worth it.
0: We all know when the drone shot where the guy's standing there talking to everybody, he's not really talking because the drone's like stupid loud, right? So <laughs> yeah. We, we know it's set up, you know, that's, that's great. Cause it's, it's, you can't communicate with the drone right over your head. Right. And you know, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, from the technical
1: aspect of, of video and, and editing, people get audio wrong um they don't know when to i call it killing the puppies they don't know when to put in and outs on the clips and really you know cut out all the dead space most of the video that's out there could be condensed to probably about thirty seconds, but instead you have twelve
0: minute videos because I'm probably included. Like I, include it, I right? usually do really short videos, <laughs> but I'm probably guilty of all kind of things whenever I make we videos. All are.
1: We all are. Absolutely. Because that's where the ego comes in, right?
0: I am totally learning. And uh, <laughs> anytime a professional like yourself wants to critique the heck out of anything that I put out, feel free. I, I would pay money for it.
1: You know, the the, the important thing to remember. In all of this, if if you're if there's any sort of video advice I give, it's tell a story, right? Don't just document the day, just put stuff out. Tell a story, find the story that's there. And if there isn't one, and if it takes you longer than one minute to tell the story, don't do it. You know, I'm putting together a a, a video. I spent three days hunting moose up here in Maine a couple of weeks back. So I'm actually editing that video today. and my plan going into it is to make it no longer than a minute and a half. If there's a story there that makes it longer than a minute and a half and it makes sense, then I'll do it, you know? But if it's not there, yeah, show some pretty pictures, throw a little bit of music over it and you've got yourself a nice little video. What we don't do as a community is take a critical eye as to what we're shooting. We're just trying to produce content. We're trying to get it out there and the self-censorship isn't there enough, at least not that I'm seeing. And this happens on the commercial side. It happens on the hobby side. We're not looking at it critically enough to say, is this the right thing to put out? Does it make sense? Is it safe? Is it good for the community? We don't ask ourselves these questions. We just say, hey, here's a dude shooting really fast on the range. Check this out. You know, And there's fun to it. I love seeing some of those videos. But man, you just look at it and you say, this could have been so much more polished. This could have been so much better. Um, but you know that's why i do what i do and that's why you know i put out one video <laughs> a month whereas you know some people put out three or four videos a day i just i take i take a lot of time to make sure that it's representing everybody in the best way possible
0: well you do awesome work matt where where can people find Thanks. you at to see the stuff that you do and maybe even you know hire you to come on and do it for them
1: yeah. So there's a couple of ways. So, uh, Firelance Media is the name of the company and, uh, firelancemedia.com. It's Firelance Media, all one word across all your social media platforms, even Google Plus. Um, so you've got, you know, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Firelance Media all right there. The interesting thing that I just got off the road doing a month long road trip for the, the web series that I want to do next year called Docu American Road is going around to a lot of these local businesses and showing the industry now, these basement dwelling uh, companies, the garage companies that are trying to make it in this environment, right? So the local instructors, the local Kydex makers, I want to document their stories and get them out in a web series. Um, and I think this whole conversation that we've had about safety and peer pressure on the line and manufacturers and brand ambassadors and everything that goes into making video for some of these businesses, I would love to highlight some of these issues in those stories. So, if there are people out there with stories and they feel like it would be good, just send me an email, matt at firelatsmedia.com, and i would be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Cool. And you're going after the, for lack of a better term, the little guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's had to awesome. Start, yeah.
1: Cool. Brownell started somewhere. Magpul started somewhere, right? Remington started somewhere. There's somebody out there right now in their garage or in their basement with an idea that is going to grow into a company that large. I'd love to find them now and be able to document that. You know, watching a company like Gemtech and Dr. Phil Dater starting in the basement of a hospital during his shifts, and he's just started making suppressors, and here we are 40, 50 years later, and Gemtech is Gemtech. I want to find those stories so that, you know, when I'm seventy five and senile, I can say I kind of
0: think I remember that company. <laughs> you could also influence that growth. Right. With, with your abilities too. So that's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. Thanks. I uh, I, I always try to find companies that are that are owned and, and ran with a high level of ethics by veterans. Yeah. Which right now, uh Gunfighter Cast has uh, an affiliation with Bravo Concealment Holsters. R- Renee's a Marine, the guy who runs mm-hmm. the company and owns the mm-hmm. company. They make an awesome product. I I I love helping out my brothers, uh, that, you know, veterans, uh, especially Marines, you know, it's, uh, those are, they really have the the soft spot in my heart for helping out a Marine anytime I can. And, uh, so we take care of each other, man. And that's all over this industry too. Fortunate to be a part of it.
1: Yeah. You know, Matt Jaques has one of the best quotes. Um, and I I try to quote it as often as I can. He says, there's a reason this is an industry and not a community, right? Is because we look at it in a way that it's competition, that it's, a business rather than looking at how can we be a better community? So, you know, on his heels, I would rather see this become a community rather than an industry, because I think once you have that, the business comes easily, but yep. we've got to be able to build that community first. And I think, you know, what you're doing, um, you know, with the, with the vet owned business is a, is a great way to foster that. You know, it just needs to trickle down to to everybody else. So
0: the power of one, right, starts with Steve you. Fisher and I talked about that two episodes ago when we we're talking about uh, I think it was two ago when we we're talking about what's wrong with the firearms industry, the training mm-hmm. industry, mm-hmm. and basically the gist of an hour long conversation was your business is going to be better, your 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 customers, your students, your clients are going to be happier. Yep, you're going to make more money. All you're you're going to get you know better products, better offers, better partnerships thrown at you. If you stop being an a-hole and start being nice to people and and not attacking everybody, but being friendly with them. So that's kind of gets us down to the dichotomy. I guess you could say, how do I remain where I'm at and mind my business? Because I don't have time to mind anybody else's business. I don't know what so-and-so just did, but at the same time help regulate these things that are unsafe, that are happening out there in training and videos and unethical. You know, like it's, This is a tough balance to walk. It is. It's and it's
1: it's kind of like trying to drain the ocean with a teaspoon, right? You can only do what you can do. You can only influence the people around you in the best way that you can. Right. And there's no way that we're going to defeat the derp or beat the derp or whatever out there. But the best thing we can do is try to influence where we can. We educate where we can. We try to show people, you know, at least the options that are out there and build a community from that. There is no way that we will ever put an end to the videos that are going out, the uh, the stuff that we see that makes us roll our eyes into the back of our head to the point of aneurysm. What we can do is at least point it out. I'm not saying in a disrespectful way, but at least call attention to the fact if you hear someone talking about, well, I heard this holster is the best because, you know, so-and-so mega instructor said it is. Well, you got to realize that he might be being paid by that company to say those things. Even still,
0: it may not be the best for you, right? It may not be the best
1: for you. And that's the important thing. Teach people how to think critically and to, you know, ask the right questions. And if they can make that decision in an educated decision is that that's their decision, but at least you've done your part to educate them the best way. And I think that's what we can all do. If we can all spread that, the good information that we've been fortunate enough to receive then I think we're doing a good service to the community.
0: Uh, guys, if you listen to Gunfighter Cast, which you do because you're right here listening, I, I want to say I really appreciate that. You guys downloading uh, every time I put one out, Gunfighter Cast uh, exists because of listeners like you guys coming in here and checking it out. And let's do it. I really enjoy it presenting to you. It is free to everybody except for me. If you want to help out the show, go to Patreon slash Gunfighter Cast. The link is in the show notes. And if the show is worth a dollar to you, you know, you pay like a heck of a bottle of water costs more than that. Pledge a dollar per episode. That'll help me out significantly. And I really appreciate it. The show is going to continue to be for free forever. I just think of it as kind of a tip jar and I, I really appreciate any contribution you can make. Matt, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Very educational for me. I'm actually gonna send this thing out as soon as it's published to a bunch of of friends of mine that are content creators that I think they're gonna really enjoy, especially the part that you talked about uh, in the video production. A lot of good actionable information for, for creators out there. And there's a lot of guys who listen to the show who are also content creators. So let's all affect each other in our own little worlds like you suggested and that's all we can do. We'll find that our worlds continue to grow and then we affect more people and the people that we affect affect other people. And we can get a culture shift in this community or this industry and maybe even toward a community, which I think is an awesome idea and an awesome plan to start implementing that we just don't have to implement it. We just do it, right? Like, automatically. Don't be an a-hole. Matt. You've been listening to me, Matt Stagliano, and my man, Daniel Shaw, on
1: Gunfighter Cast. Gunfighter Cast out.